0: In Watson v. Highland Pellets, LLC, 2022, App 132, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed the commission opinion that health claimant did not suffer a compensable injury from a compression injury to his thoracic spine. The claimant suffered injuries to ribs and later was diagnosed by treating physicians as having a compression fracture that was of unknown age or origin. The claimant argued in the lower court level to compensability and did not raise the argument of aggravation of a pre-existing condition until the appeal. Judge Gruber explained, Watson, who was 54 years old at the time of the hearing, worked for Highland Pellets, LLC as a maintenance technician. Watson testified that on December 7, 2018, he was working on a piece of mobile equipment, lost his footing on the stairs, and, and fell approximately nine feet. He landed with his upper back on the bottom steps with his feet folded over his head. He was taken to Jefferson Regional Medical Center, x-rayed, and treated for multiple rib fractures on his right side. Highland Pellets accepted the claim as compensable. Watson followed up with Dr. Lester Alexander at Healthcare Plus. End of quote. The claimant was examined and treated by physicians at UAMS, Ortho-Arkansas, and elsewhere, and the ultimate diagnosis was he also had a compression fracture which was age indeterminate. The administrative law judge and full commission ruled that there was no compensable injury and the claimant appealed. In affirming, the majority reasoned. Watson contends that the commission erred in finding he failed to prove by preponderance of the evidence that he suffered a compression fracture at T7, on December 7, 2018. He contends that his accidental fall on December 7 is undisputed, as are the objective findings of his thoracic spine injury. He points to the complete absence of evidence of a spinal injury before the accident, coupled with the opinions of Dr. Onyekwilu and Dr. Schlesinger that the cause of the fracture was the work-related fall. Finally, he argues that even if the injury was pre-existing, a pre-existing injury is compensable if the incident aggravated, accelerated, or combined with the previous condition to produce the disability. Unfortunately, Watson did not make this argument to the Commission. In fact, Watson argued at the hearing that he never had any problems with this prior to the date of injury and therefore the only explanation for the spinal cord injury is the date of injury, the accident at work. It is a basic rule of appellate procedure that a party cannot change arguments on appeal and we do not address arguments that were not raised below. End of quote. The Court of Appeals examined the medical evidence of record. Quote, The ALJ set forth a detailed factual summary of Watson's medical treatment after the injury and noted with emphasis Dr. Onyekwalu's opinion that the MRI showed evidence of an age-indeterminate compression fracture in Watson's thoracic spine and Dr. Schlesinger's opinion that there was no way to know how long the compression deformity had been present if the July 2019 MRI was the first study of his spine. The ALJ stated that both doctors' opinions that the injury was related to Watson's fall at work specifically provided that the opinions were based on the accuracy of the history and information provided by Watson. The ALJ noted there was no evidence in the medical records regarding Watson's previous work-related accident, which resulted in injuries serious enough to require that he be off work for six months. The ALJ found that when comparing Watson's testimony to the documentary evidence, she was not persuaded he was a credible witness. She did not find Watson's testimony to be supported by the documentary medical records, finding no medical documentation to support any complaint of mid-back pain until April 29, 2019, over four months after the accident. Although Watson testified that he had complained of mid-back pain to Dr. Alexander and the doctors at Pain Treatment Centers of America before this time, the ALJ thought it highly unlikely because there were no notes reflecting this in the charts. Moreover, in spite of Watson's testimony otherwise, the ALJ also doubted that he had alerted any of the physicians to his leg pain and need for a cane, since none of the medical records included documentation about this issue either. The ALJ also noted that although Watson denied having any significant problems with his back before the work accident, he had performed heavy mechanical industrial-type work in construction and maintenance for the past few decades and had also done a lot of heavy lifting and industrial work. Further, she pointed out that Dr. Schlesinger and Dr. Roman both returned him to work with no permanent impairment rating and that he claimed none of the physical therapy, injections, or medication had helped him with any degree of improvement. But Watson admitted having filed for unemployment benefits. Finally, the ALJ took into consideration the FCE evaluator's notations of Watson's moaning and groaning during the examination and the evaluator's conclusion that watson put forth an unreliable effort end of quote the majority of the court of appeals ruled that it would not reweigh the evidence before the alj upon which she relied in issuing her opinion which the commission adopted in a concurring opinion judge verdon challenged the principle of refusing to consider issues based on credibility findings and noted that once the opinion is n- Noted to be based on credibility, it is the end of the story in a workers' compensation appeal. Here, however, all of the physician testimony was consistent. Claimant did not have prior overt problems. This could be covered on a claim of aggravation of a pre-existing condition, but that is not how it was presented. The concurrence took issue with the findings of lack of credibility. Quote, The decision below cited the following reasons for finding that Mr. Watson was not credible. 1. Mr. Watson had sustained a work injury to his head and face over 10 years earlier, which he failed to mention to his doctors. 2. Mr. Watson was involved in some minor fender benders in the 1980s, for which he had received no treatment. 3. Mr. Watson had been involved in a car accident since his injury at work, This was relied on despite the fact that the wreck occurred after Mr. Watson's compression fracture at T7 was documented. And four, Mr. Watson failed to ensure that his doctor's records noted back pain separate from the pain that he experienced from his four broken ribs. Neither the ALJ nor the commission nor even the respondent explain why these incidents are material to a credibility finding regarding a recently documented but previously asymptomatic spine fracture. No doubt Mr. Watson's thoracic compression fracture was chronic or degenerative and likely was not caused by the serious injury at work. I am equally certain, however, as it seems were the two expert doctors, the only ones to opine on the subject, that the workplace injury aggravated or exacerbated Mr. Watson's condition. It is within the Commission's province to weigh all of the medical evidence to determine what is most credible and to determine its medical soundness and probative force. In weighing the evidence, the Commission may not arbitrarily disregard medical evidence or the testimony of any witness. But when the Commission chooses to accept the testimony of one physician over that of another, the appellate courts are powerless to reverse the decision – here, however, there were no competing medical opinions. They were of the same accord. End of quote. The concurrence noted the cases supporting a finding of compensability based upon aggravation of a pre existing condition. Quote, Our court has recognized that an aggravation of a pre existing injury is compensable, often in cases where there was a known and previously treated injury, under the oft repeated axiom. An employer takes the employee as he finds him. Such should have been the case in the matter before us now. Here, then, finally, is why this is a concurrence and not a dissent. Mr. Watson did not argue below that he suffered an aggravation of a pre-existing condition. I think this point deserves more than an incidental mention. Mr. Watson did not make this argument when he filed for additional compensation. He did not raise it in the pre-hearing questionnaire and he did not verbalize it at the hearing before the ALJ. Rather, Mr. Watson took the position below that his thoracic compression fracture resulted from his fall at work. It was not until his appellate brief was filed with our court that he articulated the position taken and well stated by the dissenting commissioner. There is the rub. One might argue that, by alleging that his thoracic fracture was a compensable injury, an aggravation of a pre-existing condition was included by implication. One might argue that, but at this point in our jurisprudence, one would be wrong. Lastly, it does not go unnoticed that, just as Mr. Watson had no control over what his doctors wrote in their notes or the delay in getting diagnostic tests performed, he also most likely had no idea— of the importance of presenting his case from the outset as an aggravation of a pre-existing injury, and that, as stated in the majority opinion, is unfortunate. End of quote. End of decision.